May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our collective hearts be acceptable unto the Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. My preaching text for today, to go with the title, Beyond Behavior, Habits of the Heart, comes from Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. Got three different versions of it, just so we kind of start off at the same place. Jesus speaking about the new righteousness in the Sermon on the Mount. I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. NIV, Zondervan, 2011. Let me tell you this, unless your covenant behavior is far superior to that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. N.T. Wright's New Testament translation, Harper 1, 2011. I say this to you, you'll be able to enter the God realm only if you are more faithful than the religious scholars and the institutional functionaries are in doing what God requires. Paraphrase unpublished. We are being watched. What? We are being watched. In the days of Denver's yesteryear, there used to be a television commercial that showed a woman at work keeping an eye on her new puppy at home via the webcam that is connected with her computer. She's apparently very proud of her new puppy named Dottie. So she's gathered all of her office mates around her to, quote, have a look, end of quote, between comments such as, isn't she cute and how adorable. <laughs> Suddenly the woman's out of shape husband appears on the screen in his undershorts, <laughs> yawning and with hair out of place, no shirt, scratching his rather opulent belly in an attempt to wake up. Her office mates are in stitches as the voiceover comes on. Wanna get away? The point that I want to make with this example is that video cameras are popping up everywhere. Like virtual seeing eyes all over the place. Churches have them for security purposes, including us. School districts install cameras not only inside schools, but also in school buses to document how students behave or misbehave on school property and on trips to and fro. Recreation centers have mounted security cameras in weight rooms, mirrored aerobic areas, gymnastic gymnasiums, child care rooms, indoor tennis courts and tracks. Cameras are seen at most major city intersections, at ATMs, at banks, at grocery stores and department stores. It seems one can hardly 
go anywhere in a public space without being caught on camera. In London, New York, D.C., Denver, and other western metro areas, there are also cameras positioned in certain neighborhoods, putting citizens under constant surveillance. Yet in an era of pervasive distrust, caustic hatred, unstable mental health, and easily accessed weapons of war, most people seem to approve. On a less ominous note, daycare dads and minivan moms are getting into the act, using high-tech tools to monitor their precious and precocious children while they themselves are either away at work or staying home at work with webcams positioned strategically throughout the child care center. Parents can log on to see what's happening with their little ones. Parents kind of like this peekaboo technology for two reasons. They can be sure that their children are safe and sound. And in that, they feel more connected with them despite the fact that it's virtual. One mother logs on once or twice a day for a few minutes, just long enough to check on her son, who's age two, and his four-year-old brother on days when these two are upset. At the time when she drops them off, she finds the video images particularly comforting. I can see if they're adapting. Uh, she says, uh, adding that it's also reassuring to check up on the competence of the caregivers. Webcams placed in strategic locations can put people on better behaviors. No matter how they might be feeling or what they may be thinking, when people's behavior is monitored for public viewing and evaluation, that behavior has a chance to change, a good chance. Do we, <clears throat> do we have the conditions here uh, for uh, developing a virtual morality? Hmm. This seems like a surefire way to create a well-behaved society. But, but wait a minute. Outward behavior doesn't necessarily reflect inward character, now does it? When the cameras are not rolling, we're more likely to drop the role that we've been playing and just be ourselves. And that's what some people in our popular culture call character. You've heard it, I'm sure. The quote is this, I and sure you've heard of it, character is who we are when no one, no one is looking. However, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, Jesus says, in effect, hold on, troops. Back the bus up a little bit, slow down. I have another definition of character that I would like to teach you. Let's start where you are culturally, okay? And then let me take you somewhere greater spiritually, okay? Jesus continues, 
it's as if he were saying, the rec center may be watching your workouts, uh, government officials may be viewing you in London, New York, Washington, D.C., and other major western cities of the western uh, democracies. Parents are viewing daycare centers, but my heavenly Father sees what is in your hearts and in your minds. God has, God is the ultimate webcam, an all-seeing holy cam perched inside your souls and pointed in your direction. Hmm, Jesus, uh, you mean character is who we are when only God is watching? Think about it. Can it be that we've been playing to the wrong cameras? Jesus says, listen to me. All of you would be disciples of the first or the 21st centuries. Nothing outside of a person prepared food or the hands that touch it contaminates that individual person. Rather, it's what comes up from the inside of one that defiles one. The thoughts, the schemes, the plans of the heart, the motivations from the inner seat of emotions and of the will. It's the unclean stuff in here that causes trouble when it gets out and affects other people's lives. You see, what we do matters, yes, but where that doing originates matters more to God. What is the source for our outward way of life. When the holy cam starts rolling and God takes a look at the inner self, the heart and the will, what does God see in us? Jesus cautions us not to be like some accomplished religious leaders who pass themselves off as very pious indeed, always performing the right life-giving rituals, of course, but whose inner lives are accompanied with the stench of the graveyard. These professional religious can all too often be just for show, performing in front of a crowd, doing things for others to see and evaluate, playing to the delight or the disdain of others, and going for the applause or the jeers, inspiring Jesus to quote from Isaiah 29, this people draws close to me, honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far, far from me. On another occasion, when Jesus delivers the Sermon on the Mount to would-be disciples, he tosses into the ring of their ambition this theological bombshell. Unless your righteousness is greater than that of these dedicated religious people, you will never ever set foot inside the God zone. For Jesus' disciples, such a statement excludes them from the kingdom. After all, no one seems more right with God than scrupulous, detailed, religious folk. If being okay with God is reserved only for those whose rightness 
with the Holy One exceeds that of the religious elite, <laughs> then hey, 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 everybody is in deep doo-doo. Let's face it, then there's little or no hope for you and me. You see, Jesus redefines what it means to be moral, ethical, and devout. Simply put, he asks us to play to the right camera, the God cam. Not so much the cameras which the church, businesses, and government officials install within our communities. That means that true morality is determined not just by what we do, but who we are. You see, one need not do adultery to be adulterous. One need not do murder to be murderous. One need not do unkindness to be unkind. Acts of adultery, murder, and unkindness, however, come from the hearts that are adulterous, murderous, and unkind, and one gives birth to the other. The acts of our hands are inexorably linked to the character of our hearts. The steps of our feet are inescapably tied to the inner disposition of ourselves. And so, we may be able to cheat and fool our spouse. We may scam our business partners, <laughs> and we may con our friends. We might even be delusional enough to believe that we could deceive God himself. But in our best moments, we know that God will not be bamboozled. If we play that game, we will lose big time. Why? Why? Because. Because that's stinking thinking, as our 12-step people like Alcoholics Anonymous call it. And that way of misconstruing reality does not have its origins in God, who alone can transform us into being godly people. Godly, godly people. Just what is <laughs> righteous thinking? What is godly being? Well, for starters, it does not make human egos the center. It has a proper humility about it. The following advice came from an Ann Landers column that appeared originally in the Washington Post at the turn of the century. I quote it, to keep us potentially puffed up Christians in check. Quote, if you start the day without caffeine, if you get going without some form of speed, if you resist complaining and boring people with your troubles, if you eat the same food every day and are grateful for it, if you understand when your loved ones are too busy to give you much of their time, if you overlook it when something goes wrong, through no fault of your own, and those who love you take it out on you. 
If you take criticism and blame without resentment, if you ignore a friend's limited education and never correct him, if you resist treating a rich friend better than a poor friend, if you conquer tension without the aid of drugs, if you honestly say that deep in your heart you have no prejudice against another's creed, color, religion, or politics, then whoo, congratulations. You are almost as good as your dog. <laughs> Thanks, Ann. That might just help us keep us from getting fat heads. Secondly, righteous being before God pleads God's virtue. It is Christ-focused. Only by faith in Jesus, only by putting on Christ, can we Christians hope to exceed the piety of people who look good, who look marvelous, only from the outside. Let's briefly review the good news about Jesus, shall we? We get right with God through the merits of our Lord, not by our own credits, Brownie points that we stack up. The result, our whole being gets redeemed, not just our behavior. Here's the deal. By grace through faith, we get God's goodness. Jesus takes our bad stuff in return. It's a trade that's great for us, lousy for God indeed. Yet God offers it to us anyway because he wants us to be imitators of Jesus to the core, not just doers of good things on the outside. In the long run, isn't that the way it will be in the future kingdom of God where we're holy inside and out? So why not get a head start on that future already now <laughs> through the inspiration and empowerment that the spirit of Jesus gives. Authentic life is our Lord's gift to us, and it's ours to pass on generously to others. As we German theologians say, die Gerechtigkeit, die vor Gott gilt, ist Gabe und Aufgabe. The goodness that counts before God is both gift and task. Pray, God, that we might be worthy of both. Then we won't have to worry about any cameras that are turned in our direction. We can live lives of integrity and character in God's eyes, lives that don't have any trouble showing God's glory because they come from the inner soul that is glowing with the right stuff. In the name of Abba, God for us. In the name of Emmanuel, God with us. In the name of Holy Helper God, the God in us.